Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee. Uh, Lee, how are you doing out there in Paducah tonight? Hey, Benny. Hey, Big Blue Nation. I couldn't be better. You know, a great week for Kentucky basketball, even though we picked up some bad news today, and we'll be talking about that here a little bit later in the show. And, uh, you know, it kind of put a cloud over over everything that we accomplished at Kentucky this week. But, uh, anyway, it, it's Sunday, and we're glad to be here and hope you guys are listening. And feel free to call in. And, uh, Benny, how, how's your weekend been? Oh, it's been great up until today when I got the news. Uh, I don't really follow the news a whole lot on show day because I'm prepping for the show and trying to get everything ready for the show. And, and I got a text that you hear about Kobe, and I was like, what are you talking about, Kobe? He died. I was like, ah, oh, you're you're crazy. And then I then I go to Twitter and I'm like, oh my goodness. And it just, I don't know. It hit me hard. I I ain't gonna lie. I'm a grown man and big old boy. And I sat here and shed a tear when I when I heard that his daughter was in there with him. Well, the first thing reported all four of his daughters, and I was just uh, I was just beside myself because I, I mean. Because I got a 13 year old daughter, and I just, I don't know, I just put the phone down and went in there and just, just hugged my daughter. It was, it's, it's, it's something. And we did have a good week in Kentucky basketball, and I don't want to put a damper on that, but it's, it meant a lot to me because basketball is such a big part of my life, and I like all sports, but I'm, I'm like a, like a basketball's like a religion to me. Like I was telling you before the show, I could watch two church leagues play, and I. And I and be entertained by it pretty well. Well, you know, and Benny, that's absolutely understandable. And I mean, you know, the sad thing, and and I don't want to want to sound like we're you know going overboard here or anything, but you know, anytime you have a death like this, you know, a major celebrity or figure, it's tough. And you know, we've already had you know, several just in 2020, and we're not even out of January yet. And, you know, it's hard to take. It it is, you know, it it was really bothersome for me, too, to find out that his 13-year-old daughter passed away in a helicopter crash. And like you, Benny, I was in Murray doing a little grocery shopping, and it was actually at Walmart and, and went to Kroger, and my phone started blowing up, and people telling me, you know, Kobe Bryant, he died in a helicopter crash, and so it's big news, and it's very sad. And, you know, while I wasn't just a huge Kobe Bryant fan, I respected Kobe Bryant as a player. And, you know, he always played with a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, the good thing is we're going to have Terry Brown on in here a little bit later, and he's a huge L.A. Lakers fan, and he's going to share his sentiment and, and thoughts on Kobe. But, you know, I remember Kobe's dad, Joe Bryant. You know, I'm I'm ancient guys, but you know, playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, and Joe always played with a chip. And you know, Kobe was no exception. And the one thing I take from that is when Kobe was asked what school, you know, he he went directly from high school to the NBA, and what college he he would have picked if he had gone to college, and you know, was always Kentucky. So. Well, he never played at Kentucky and never, you know, nothing with Kentucky at all. He's still, to me, one of those kids that 
I consider a Kentucky Wildcat, you know, no different than Sean Kemp and others. So uh, it's a very sad day. You know, I know Kobe was 41, still way too young to pass away, but, you know, his daughter, and, and I'm not sure who all else was in the helicopter, but it's just a sad day when you have lost a life on any occasion. Yeah, no doubt. doubt. And, and I, I'm, I'm a basketball guy through and through. Like, if, I, if it's anything basketball, it it affects me. And, and I, I really didn't know in the beginning – well, before this all happened, I really didn't know how much I respected the man until, and you know, I think that's until I heard this news and I was just sitting here like, wow, like he's, he's one of the greatest. I mean, he really is. He's probably, in my opinion, the second best uh, two guard ever. I mean, I still put Jordan ahead of him and I think most people do, but, but he's, but he's just like an icon. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like, you think he's invincible and then you realize real quick when something happens to someone like this that that we're not promised tomorrow, you know, and anything you can you can have your little quarrels with people and you can but is it worth it because you may not have them tomorrow or you may not be here tomorrow. You just don't know. It's not worth uh it's not worth holding a grudge over some words or or whatever or something even big, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and nobody's perfect. And, you know, there there were some black clouds over Kobe throughout his life. And, you know, but that's between him and God. And, you know, we're not here to judge. And we all, like I said, nobody's perfect in this world. And, you know, all we can take from it is, is what he did with his life. And I, I thought he was, you know, had a, a bright future even with the NBA and, and some things he was doing. And, he was making good with his life, and you know, 41 still too young. And I was really kind of surprised when I heard 41 because for some reason I thought Kobe was older. And I guess it's just because of his long NBA career and going straight from high school into the NBA. But I know he left a lot on the table. I mean, Kobe Bryant could still be playing today, actually. And the irony of it all, too, to me is that LeBron James just passed him on the scoring list, I believe it was yesterday. And to me, it's just it's just strange that, you know, I get that text today and, and you know, probably like you, Benny, I had to go and look for myself just to make sure it was, you know, true because it, it just didn't seem possible. And to be honest with you, Kobe Bryant's name hadn't been on the radar a lot, and it was really brought back out again with LeBron chasing him down on the career, you know, scoring list in the NBA. And so Kobe's name had been mentioned quite a bit on ESPN and other sports networks lately. So it, it's just it's just strange and, and it's almost surreal, you know. And like you said, Benny, life is never granted, and, and we can't take it for that. And you know, I, I go back to, you know, just two weeks ago, and this is a little off topic, but even with music, and, you know, I was a big fan of Rush growing up, and, you know, I'm an old dinosaur, and, you know, when Neil Parrott died, the drummer for Rush was the exceptional drummer, and, you know, he was 67, but it still makes you think, wow, you know, I'm getting old, and, you know, every day we're, we're closer to the grave, folks, and, but it's sad, and we never expect it. We never count on it. We don't want to think about it. But it just brings a realness to everything. And, 
So, you know, this show does have that cloud over it today, but we've got a lot to talk about. And and uh, anybody out there that wants to call in, please feel free to. If you want to talk about Kobe or Kentucky, then we'll, we'll be glad to talk to you. Without a doubt. And like I said, we'll, we'll get into some Kentucky talk here, and we'll we'll get back into the Kobe stuff when, when Terry calls in because <clears throat> Terry's probably – as far as the people I know, the expert on Kobe Bryant, he's a he's a big, huge Kobe Bryant fan, and uh, you know, I, I, he was the first person I reached out to whenever I heard the news because I knew it would would affect him pretty big, you know, because it's just it's unreal. I mean, you know, and, and like you said, when when you're a fan of something or a fanatic like some of us are. You don't realize how much something like this will affect you until it happens because I, I don't really think it's ever happened in my lifetime because I grew up idolizing Jordan, obviously. So, you know, I didn't like Kobe as much as as others at the when he was playing because they always compared him to Jordan and, you know, they're comparing him to my man. But but now, you know, Kobe's retired and, and I just got a huge respect for a lot of guys like Kobe. You know, they're the guys I wanted to be growing up. You know what I'm saying? And it sounds childish, and and some people don't understand because they don't love anything like some of us do. Some of us just love things too much, and I'm one of those people. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's just it affected me greatly today, and, and maybe it shouldn't have, but it, it sure did. It just It just rocked me to the core. Well, it is understandable. I mean, we've got, you know, people out there in the world, and, and you know, everybody has, has their passion, whether it be sports or, you know, art, music, things like that. I mean, everybody has something that they're passionate about. And, you know, Kobe, very popular figure, you know, even in retirement. And it's just devastating to the world, and, and especially here in the United States and so our, our heartfelt condolences go out to his family and, and all his loved ones. And, you know, like Benny just said, it, it's it's devastating. It, this is a big loss in, in basketball. And, you know, it, it's just there, there's no words to, to explain it. And I know there's a lot of people with a lot of heartfelt grief out there today. And our thoughts are with you as well. Yeah, and, and we'll get to the uh, Kentucky talk here for a little bit, and I'll ask Lee <clears throat> what he thought of the performance. I thought it was one of the – I'm going to tell you something. I thought it was one of the best performances that we've had in a few years on the road because that's the second probably hardest environment that I've seen all year, and the other one was Arkansas for any college team. And we've won both games, and that speaks – leaps and bounds, you know, about this team. They're just, they're underrated and they're underappreciated by even our own Kentucky sports people. I, heard, I, mean, I listened to the post-game show last night, and I'm not calling anybody out, and I don't want anybody to think I am. And just, he, he said, we know this team's not great. And I'm just thinking, what's it take to be great this year? Not much more than what we are. I think they are great. And I think they're going to continue to improve. I think it's really close to being. I like to see the Vegas odds right now. I bet the, I bet Kentucky has moved up a lot. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Benny, I wouldn't disagree with you at all there. And the sad thing is, and what is underrated, and, you know, to be honest with you, I really, I've always been one of these guys that, a Kentucky fan that likes Kentucky a little bit under the radar. And with being ranked in, in the high rankings and in, in the strength of schedule, you're playing for a good seating in the NCAA tournament. And I still think that Kentucky has that on the table right now, just with what you said with the win at Texas Tech and the win at Arkansas, two very hostile environments. And what they did yesterday, and agreeably, we're going to all say that, you know, Therese Maxey and Ashton Hagens did not have their finest hour. And and Calipari struggled a little bit as as well yesterday, and I think Cal, you know, what what he did there a little bit in taking the foot off the gas pedal, let Texas Tech back in the game. But all in all, they pulled it together as a team, and they won the game. And, you know, I'll tell you what, if we win at Lubbock, Texas, against Texas Tech, ranked 18th, and, and honestly, folks, this to me is a feel-good, is if, I know Maxie didn't play his greatest game. Hagens didn't play his greatest game. And we still pulled out a victory in overtime in that environment. And that, that crowd was crazy. I mean, that was a beer influence, free beer, I guess. But they were they were on fire. That crowd was explosive. And But Kentucky dug in. And, and what I take from that game is Kentucky showed me this is a blue-collar team. This team's going to get in there and battle, and, and they're gritty, and they're tough. And and this is what Cal's wanted to see out of this group is fight. And I saw it yesterday, and, and none other better than Nick Richards. Man, that kid is, is turning it on. And, I mean, what a, what a turnaround from the last two years. And, you know, anybody, any recruit, any kid out there that, is considering coming to Kentucky. Look at what John Calipari has done with Nick Richards, and, and just know that that's that's there on the table for you guys. He's he's the coach, and he he's a he is a master inventor of the game, innovator of the game, and he can definitely get you to where you want to be. And I wanted to tell everyone we had planned on having Breezy on tonight. Forgot to mention that in the open, or at least. I don't think I mentioned it, but he had some family issues come up and, and he's going to reschedule and that's fine because that's a, that's one of those topics. It's, it's kind of a feel good type thing and it probably didn't fit tonight anyway, the way things have, have uh, come to pass today. But, you know, and like you said though, Kentucky, Kentucky is, is a blue collar team and they, they do have the fight and, and it's, it's been coming all year, you know. I've said all year Ashton Hagen's the toughest son of a gun. And as bad as he played, he had some big plays down the stretch defensively that, that pretty much helped us win that game. I thought the play of the game, and, and you guys, you know, like, like he said, feel free to call in. It's 516-531-9474 if you want to call in and give your opinion. But I thought the play of the game was actually made by E.J. Montgomery when he walled up and made that kid go right, I think that right there saved the ball game, folks. And EJ doesn't get the credit he deserves for being the defender that he is because I've had this argument on Twitter several times and people saying that he's not. 
our best defender at the fourth spot. Well, I don't know what you're watching, but he definitely is. And he, he lost some minutes last night because Nate was playing good offensively. Nate actually played okay sometimes defensively, which is probably a good thing to see. And I'm I'm pleased with Johnny Juzang. He came in, he played some decent minutes. He had a couple lapses defensively, but he's starting to get there, and Keon's starting to get there. And when, when those guys get to where Cal wants them to be, and I feel like they will because I see improvement a lot in those guys, this team is going to be special. People don't really they, – they just don't give the team credit that it deserves, in my opinion. I think part of that, Benny, is this just – Kentucky and Big Blue Nation just being spoiled all in all, and I because I agree with you 100 percent on EJ's play there where he forced the guy off that baseline. It, it was huge. He forced him into a tougher shot, and you know, and then the scramble on the on the rebound, and Kentucky came up with it. And EJ is doing what what we talked about all year. You you, you let the game come to you because. If you try to force the game and, and make the game happen, it, it never works out. And EJ's doing what he needs to do. He's he's letting the game come to him, and he's doing what he has to do to be successful out there. But, you know, I think Keon Brooks even, he had some limited minutes and, and no scoring, but I thought when Keon was in the game, he played good. I think Nate Sestina came back. It was one of his better games in a while. And, and EJ, but you know, out of those three, I think EJ is the four, and I think he plays a great game, and he still gives us a lot of options on offense, too, and this team's taking shape, and John Calipari is is, is the master at, at getting a team ready for March, and we're starting to see his team take shape. We know who can come in and give good minutes, and, and of course, with the exit of Khalil Whitney, I mean, now we're down shoulder on the bench, and I think this is actually going to help John Calipari, you know, be ready for March even sooner because now he's got to do it with the guys he's got. And, you know, no disrespect to Khalil because we all wish him well and we miss him, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But uh, I think Cal's got his team. He he knows who his team is now, and he knows what he's got to do. And and these guys are, are they're buying in. And they're starting to play defense. The defense has improved immensely. And, and I tell you what, if we keep playing defense like this, the offense is going to be there, guys. You know, Maxie and Hagens aren't going to have games like that. And like you said, Benny, Hagens was the man. Still, yesterday he didn't have a lot of point output, and he had a lot of turnovers. But still, his nose was in there on that ball all day long. His defense yeah. was incredible, and that's the key. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, Benny? Yeah, I mean, he he had a big play down the stretch, too, that might have been the play of the game. When he when he blocked that pass, I know yes. he turned it all over, and they, we got it back. And we had four straight possessions there to where we didn't score, and I was really getting concerned yeah. because I was, I was we, I was we were trying to go to Maxie, and I was with that, and I believed that that was the guy, but Maxie just had one of those games where he was off. And and yeah. thank God that our defense stepped up because that's what won the ball game. I mean, it sure wasn't. It was. And and we were talking about the score before. And you get a big score. I thought it was a defensive back because you know. 
You never know. And and everybody's talking about Calgary being ten and zero and turning the ball over twenty times at Kentucky. I got thinking about that last <laughs> night, and I was thinking, you know. You know, I think the reason for that is when we're turning the ball over a little more, which a lot of those turnovers were BS charges, I just want to say. But when we're turning the ball over, it means we're attacking more and we're trying, you know, yeah. we're trying to get out and run more. And this team's better when they get out and run. His teams are always better when they get out and run. Right. And, and you know, that score, that was hard to predict. And I know Benny, you and I went back and forth on that. And I really thought it'd be more of a running game. And it, you know, it actually was, but they just couldn't put the ball in the basket well enough yesterday. I mean, both teams shot under 50%, but not that bad. But, you know, Kentucky held Texas Tech way down. I think I want to say it was like 18 or 19% from three-point range. And so Kentucky did their job on the perimeter. And I'll tell you what, the defense to me is just absolutely lights out right now. And, and the way they're filling the lanes – I still go back to saying that we've got the best three-guard lineup in the nation, the best three guards in the nation. And I know there's a lot of them out there, Dick Vitale and some of the others, and I think even uh, I can't think of the guy calling the game yesterday. But, Jimmy. you know, they were saying that, you know, yeah, Kentucky's guards, they, 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 didn't, they wouldn't go out and say Hagen's was the best. But to me, I wouldn't want another guard on my team other than Ashton Hagen's right now. And, and like I said, yesterday is that when these teams play Kentucky, they're going to know it the next day. Kentucky's physical. It, this team is really starting to take shape as a physical ass-kicking team. And they get up and down the floor. They, they'll play whatever game you want, but they're going to beat you to death. And, and I guarantee you that. And, and Benny, you have to see that, too. I, I, I know you're impressed with that. Yes, and uh, I really am impressed with the team. I think they're, they're doing Wonderful things. I mean, I think I think Ashton is the best point guard in the country, and Terry's trying to call in that will not connect. <laughs> I don't understand right. why, but yeah. there we go. Now it'll connect. How about welcome to the show, Mr. Brown? How are you? I'm doing fine, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, oh. Terry. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks for calling in. We're glad to have you. Glad and to I be here. I know you talked about this. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. No, I said, no, I know you all are talking about the, the big-time overtime uh, uh, win yesterday, Kentucky going on the road and, and answering a lot of questions. Uh, I, I think, obviously, there were some issues with that, but uh, I think overall you have to be encouraged rather than discouraged. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know – Guys, I mean, the calls, I, I didn't think the calls were, were that good, especially in the overtime. I, I don't know what these referees are doing. I, I still, I'm having a lot of problem with it, and, and so is a lot, are a lot of people. And I don't know when the NCAA is going to get involved instead of defending the referees. But, you know, the calls seem to be a little bit more uh, one-sided against Kentucky yesterday. But, you know, Texas Tech had some bad calls too. So what do you do to fix that? Well, and here's the thing, right? I don't know if you saw the Florida State-Notre Dame game yesterday where there was a yeah. shot clock that didn't reset like it was supposed to, and then we had the issue uh, during our game with Maxie. Did he have four fouls or five fouls? <laughs> There's a lot of weird 
stuff going on, and I hate to defend the officials, but I think part of the problem is there's no standard uniformity for all the NCAA until tournament time, right? Like, we don't see these issues during the tournament. It's just that during the regular season, you you have officials that are doing, like, four or five games a week with travel. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, like I remember right. a couple of years ago there was a, a, a guy, I can't remember the official's name, he officiated a game at Notre Dame that was a noon tip-off, and then he officiated a game that was, like, 7 or 8 o'clock that night uh, uh, tip-off. And you can't have that. You, you can't do two games at the same time. Because what happens is they've got all these different points of emphasis. And you hear this, you know, the start of every season, the last couple, they have these points of emphasis. And I think it's a lot for the officials to try to keep up with. Uh, we had a caller on the post-game show says, like, when can you go to the monitor to figure something out? Is it under two minutes for certain calls? Or, or when is it? You know, I, and I think there's a lot for them to keep track of. And they're not really that great just on their own. So there's a lot that needs to be reviewed as far as the officiating. Right. And, and, you know, you go back to – and this is one thing I noticed when we had – you know, back when uh, we had the Aaron Fox and Malik Monk and that group, and we were lighting it up, and we started getting the referees – Terry, you make a great point. And, you know, I don't don't see a lot of people talk about that, but you're looking at these referees are – most of them are in their 30s, 40s, and some 50, 50, even early 60s. And they were trying to keep up with that Kentucky team that year, and it seemed like they were calling fouls just to slow the game down, just so they could get a breather. I, I really felt that because they were so ticky-tack, and I think we're seeing a lot of that now too because I, I don't know if the game's gotten faster and even with the improved technology, I mean, we've got the monitors and everything, and I think we still go to those too much. But even with the monitors, they're missing a lot of these calls. It well, seems to me and, like and that's part of like they miss the big calls and, and they can't review those, like the, the backcourt violation. It wasn't a backcourt violation. Why can we not review something like that at, at that point in the game? Exactly. If, if the if the if the whole thing about the monitor and using the monitor is get the call right, then you should be able yeah. to go to it at any point during the game. You know, exactly. because a call. I understand the last two minutes, but what you can see that backcourt violation. Yeah, it wasn't last two minutes, but that's a that's a huge call in a two three point game, right? Like, yeah. I think every possession, every call has as much weight. I understand call at the end of the game, but, you know, you can't just isolate a call, uh, you know, time and score. It all matters. You know, it's all connected, if you will. Exactly. Right. My son and I, I were talking there's... about the missed Ashton Hague up there, and late in the game, I was like, how huge is that now? Cause he, and the reason he missed that is because he couldn't decide whether he wanted to dunk it or just lay it in, and that's the fact. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, guys, there's there, there a lot of people out there in Big Blue Nation, though that 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 are not like us. And 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 I'm and I can speak for you, Terry, and I can speak for you, Benny. And, and and we're all about getting the calls right, and we see it right. Okay, if if it's if there's a foul and it's it's a legitimate foul on Kentucky, I'm fine with it. Just call the game the same, and that's all Calipari asked. But 
How many times do we have to sit back and watch these calls that just seem to be blatantly wrong? And, and what, what can you do about it? Here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because you know we talk about the those block charges that never seem to go right. And and last night Texas Tech, their whole game plan is to not try to block your shot at the rim. It's to try to cut you off until you draw that charge, right? Yeah. But right. the thing is, that's a game plan if you don't have the athlete. Like, X's nose are fine, but if you don't have the Joes, the Jimmys and Joes, it doesn't work. So as Kentucky fans, as, uh, under Cal and, and even going way back to Adolph Rupp, Kentucky always has the horses. Right, going back to Dan Issel and, yeah. and before it. So what teams have historically tried to do is, and I, I hate to say it like this, they jimmy the system, right? Yeah. It's glaring mm-hmm. under Cal because there's no one, like when Kentucky, particularly in the SEC, we're in the SEC, the, the other team doesn't have a John Wall or De'Aaron Fox or, or any of those guys or an Anthony Davis. So what do they have to do? They have to try to get in your way, draw the charge, game the official, right? Yeah. That's the only yeah. way to get an advantage because if it's a straight-up basketball game, they don't win, right? They, right. they, they can't win straight up. So uh, and you look at the, the, the games with uh, Louisville and, and Rick Pitino coaching, and it was basically like the, the referees can't call every foul, so we're going to muck this game up. So there's yep. got to be – an incentive to play straight up basketball. Sure, well, yeah, official. Yeah, they they try to deflate the ball and take the air out of the ball and, and pull it into a real grind. And, and and you get in those grinding games, and you know, I, and I think that's some of the mo that this Kentucky team's getting. And I think that's why, you know, I, I know you believe in them. I know Benny believes in them. I believe in them. And, and I don't understand why people don't see that. But I think this Kentucky team this year can just about do anything they want. And the MO with this team this year is they're going to grind it and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And they're starting to get that grit and that blue-collar feeling. And I don't care what teams throw at them. I think they're going to be successful. But, Terry, you're right. It, it, it's all about trying to take a, game, a team out of their game. And, and, and you're right, when they when they have less talent, they're going to try to turn it into a slugfest and, and draw fouls, try to get the cheap calls. And we have seen a lot of that over the last four or five years. Yeah, and look at Tyrese Maxey. And, and my issue with this drawing the foul, he plowed into that guy. I I didn't. Yeah. I thought the guy was in the restricted area. But you're going to get players yeah. hurt if they're not even attempting to make a basketball play. It's like right. if you're if you ever watch any kind of sport, I mean, guys get hurt all the time. But the really strange injuries are if they're not even trying to do a football play. Like, if right. you tackle uh, in football with your head up and see what you hit, okay, that's fine. It's when you lower your head that you injure somebody or you injure yourself, right? You're not making a, a football play. And that's what we're seeing with basketball is trying to draw a charge on a Tyrese Max at full speed. Yeah, you may get the call, but, man, you're going you're gonna to pay for that. And I think we need to yeah. take that out of basketball. And, guys, one thing I wanted to get both of you guys' opinion on, I've had countless guys – you know, I got a lot of friends that are UA basketball, and they're always texting, and, and and they want Chris Beard, which cracks me up, because they wanted rid of Tubby. 
but they want Chris Beard. And I think that he is a young Tubby Smith exactly. I think he coaches exactly the way Tubby coached. And I think he, he would struggle recruiting the same way that Tubby, you know, Tubby struggling in recruiting. I, I just don't think he has that charisma, that whatever it is that he's lacking, and maybe just a little bit of slickness to be a recruiter, you know. And I think it would be the same. I think he would do well, but I think they would hate the style of play. I'll be honest with you. I just can't wrap my head around why people are unhappy with John Calipari. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm sorry to take over your guys' show, but uh, no, when it comes to who Perry, I'm, hey, who hey, I'm, brother, this is your show too, man. You you take <laughs> it over. Hey, you, you're our brother from another mother, and we're, we're so glad that you joined us tonight. So you you go, man. <laughs> we love having you. You know, you know, people. Okay, like Cal has had a very good record. Like I said. My, I always concede, yes, one more title would make us all feel good, right? But you can't look at Cal's resume and say that he's that he's a failure. That's that's bad news. So when things are going really well, the human mind does weird things. And you start coming up with things to kind of create friction. And one of those things that we do in the Big Blue Nation is, oh, my goodness, who's going to replace John Calipari? You know, we, we work ourselves in the fervor of, like, who is going to be next? And and this is where Kentucky basketball and Alabama football is is a parallel. The the programs have this inertia to them where you don't even need uh, – you can win a championship with a very good coach. You look at Tubby Smith, a very good coach, won a championship here. You look at like a Gene Stallings at Alabama, won a championship. A great coach – is going to put you at or near the top, like a John Calipari or Nick Saban. My whole thing is we can't be looking for the next Coach Cal, right? The, 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 he's only one. My whole yes. thing is whoever comes, whoever comes is going to have a chance to be successful, but it's going to be his way because there's a reason five coaches have won championships at UK. They come in and they win their way. You know, Rupp had his style, Joe B had his style, Rick had his style, Tubby did, and Cal did. They all had some success, but they had to do it their way. And I think if we're looking for somebody to come in and be the next Coach Cal, that's not fair to him. And it's really short-sighted for how great the program actually is. So that's my two cents on that. And I think that's a great point because there's none other Coach Calipari out there. I mean, and, and, you know, and just like when Patino left, there was never another Rick Patino. I mean, we we looked at Billy Donovan, but Billy Donovan's not a Patino. I mean, he, he's got his own style, too, and everybody kind of evolves and, and develops their way. And, and, and Terry, that, that's excellent. I, I can't – I'll tell you what, I'm glad we got you on the show with that because that's, that's a great <laughs> point. And, and all we can do is just take Calipari for what he's doing at Kentucky right now. But – I don't see what he's doing any anything wrong. I think what he's doing is bringing in the best recruits. And I've had a lot of conversations with people and people in the area here, and, and they want him to co- to recruit more like Jay Wright. And I, I'm like, well, how does Jay Wright recruit? They said, well, he gets guys that aren't, aren't four- and five-star McDonald's All-Americans. I'm like, but you, you want to get the best talent. And, and, and if anything has proven – 
itself is that even when you bring these four- and five-star recruits in, and mostly five-star recruits at Kentucky, they don't always pan out. And I think that's the misconception with this one and done. I think kids feel like if they don't get to the NBA within a year, they're a failure. And, you know, one 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 good story to that is just look at Nick Richards and and what he's done in, in the time. And everybody develops at their own speed. And I don't think you can go out there. I don't think John Calipari can go out there and say, hey, I'm going to recruit guys that are two- and three-star recruits and just so I have them around four or five years. I don't think you're going to win that way. I, I just don't think you can win that way. Well, you well, know, John Calipari and, and, and Jay Wright recruit the same way. They get who they can get. That's the facts. All these coaches <laughs> they all are trying they all do. to get all of them, right? the big guys. Yeah. And and we get a lot of them, and Duke gets a lot of them. And, and, you know, they're all trying to get these guys. They can say what they want, and they can negative recruit all they want, but they're all trying to get the same guys and do the same thing because it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, what, and one thing to keep in mind, too, guys, is – Everybody just assumes that Cal is trying to get one-year players. What you need to take in account are the number of guys that come in, they're, they're, they're rated four or five stars, but they're kind of at the bottom of the class a little bit, and they turn it on, and they become one and done. It, yeah. A lot of people need to remember, Eric Bledsoe was not supposed to be one and done, right? No, Tyler like Hero was to not be, supposed to be one and done. Was, Shai Gilgis Alexander. Shai Gilgis Alexander. I mean, look at that. That's why you come to Kentucky, so they can turn you into a one and done. That's the fact. That's (laughs) what people need to get. You are right on the money. Is that's that's the thing, and we see what Hero has done his rookie year. We see what Shai SGA is doing out in uh, uh, Oklahoma City this year. So, and, and. and, and, you know, people, a lot of Louisville fans, I know you all seen it on social media. Oh, well, you know, at Kentucky, you know, you lose a five-star like Whitney, you know, another five-star comes to take the place. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the burden yeah. you think it is. Like, you can have five five-stars leave in a decade, and because you get 37 in, it's kind of okay. It's like Bill Gates yeah. can lose a $100 bill. He's like, I'm not even going to pick that up. Because look, I mean, it's, you know, and let me let me say that I, I hate to see the young man go, and I, I don't want to put any negative connotations on that. But I, I think Benny, I was telling you, you know, Kentucky will be okay. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that this it's going to send shockwaves out. You know, Kyle Wilcher left, and we still got guys in. Uh, S, uh, Sasha Clea Jones left. We still got guys are still going to come in. It's just one of yeah. those things that sometimes it's not a great fit. And Cal has said it, and I believe it. Kentucky isn't for everybody. It just isn't. And even if you think no, you're ready, and, sometimes you're not. You know, and, and, and to me, and and we're hearing a lot of things, you know, Khalil, you know, a lot of outside noise. There's a lot of the reports. And, of course, it's diminished playing time. And, of course, all three of us wish him nothing but the best. And and we would have loved to see him, you know, play his career out at Kentucky until he went because the kid has all the talent in the world to make it to the NBA. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, 
you know, they let these things affect them and, and feel like they have everything on their shoulders. And But he showed signs. I mean, I think Khalil, you know, he, he did look lost at times, but he was starting to show some improvement. And I think everybody was starting to see that. And it's just unfortunate he left now at this time, at this point in the season, and, and not even give it another shot for another year because, you know, at Kentucky, you're on you're on the radar. And, and if he ends up at Illinois or, or somewhere up in at DePaul or somewhere up in Illinois, you know, he's still going to be on the radar, but it's not nothing like being at Kentucky. And, you know, you, you, I want to transition. Yeah. I, I, I know everybody, I know we get okay away with Kentucky sometimes, but I want to transition into what we <laughs> carry on for tonight, and that's to talk about his probably his, his uh, favorite basketball player ever, and uh, Kobe Bryant, and uh, how sad the news was today. I'll, I'll tell you, Terry, I sat here, and I was prepping for the show, and I got a text, and I was like, no. And then I went to Twitter, and I started seeing all these reports, and I was and I sat here and I cried and I went in there and and I hugged my 13 year old daughter and I was just I was just like wow it it just blows my mind because you feel like Kobe's an immortal you know and yeah and I was the same way I heard uh, my phone started blowing up because uh, for those that don't follow me I'm a Kobe guy I've been a Kobe guy forever and ever I mean that was that was my dude and my phone started blowing up I was at the dinner with my mom. And I'm like, this can't be right. You know, it's one of those things. And for me, it was, I was, Kobe was a year behind me, but we our lives, I don't want to say parallel, but he hit the NBA as a high school phenom, ready to take over the world. At the same time, I went to UK, had a full scholarship, thought I was going to take over the world. And you know what? Sometimes happens. The world will humble you, right? So, you know, Kobe had his struggles. I had my struggles. And, um, you know, he won some championships. I had a little bit of success. He had a falling out with Shaq and feuding with other teammates. And, and I was kind of that hot shot guy when I started in the business world. And then once he kind of figured out, hey, I kind of need my teammates. I need to be a better person. was kind of about the same time I kind of figured it out. And then he got married and started having his girls, and I had my girls. And Kobe just felt like that guy. He had that, that last game, that retirement. Like I, I said at the time, I believe it, that was the only way he could go out, right? That was the only way Kobe was going to go out was 60 points on 50 shots. That was perfect. <laughs> and then he transitioned to his uh, – with his daughter and his daughters, and especially Gigi – who, you know, man, I said I was going to try to get through this without choking up, but his daughter, who with all the videos and he always talked about, uh, and the folks that follow me know I've got my two girls and I'm working with them and do So it just seemed like our lives were kind of parallel. And as far as, as sports people, heroes, this one hurt. This one hurt like – Muhammad Ali was bad a couple years ago because he was a Louisville guy, and my dad loved him. But Kobe was my guy, right? I had watched his career. Like I said, we kind of had that parallel thing. And this is, this is just devastating news. It is, it is, and it just, you know, the thing, he was on his way to his girls' game to coach his – that just 
it's a lot to take in. It really is. You know, go ahead. Now I'm just going to tell Terry, I'm, I'm really sorry because, you know, we, we have these, these idols and, and, and sports figures and, and other figures that we look up to and, and, you know, they become personal and, they they feel like family and we accept them as family even though they they have no idea who we are and and it's tough it, it, there's there's no way around it it's just tough when you lose them because it it feels like losing a family member and you know I had a hard time today and Terry I was at Murray today Murray Kentucky and my phone started blowing up and about Kobe. And I was just like, I had to look it up just to make sure it was real. And then when I saw his 13-year-old daughter had passed away in the crash as well, when I got home, that, that, that hit home with me. And I'm thinking, you know, that's just way too young. And uh, even Kobe, only 41. And and all I want to say is I'm sorry and, and I feel your pain. And, and uh, you know, but it, it's how we get attached to people. And it's no different then Big Blue Nation and how we get attached to players here and and, and and anything. I mean, it's from music to sports to movies and Hollywood, and uh, there's no easy way around it, and, and it definitely hurts, and, and, and we do understand it. Yeah, exactly, and uh, like I was going to tell you, Terry, I, I was a Jordan guy when I was coming up. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Kobe was uh, two years younger than I am, and but when he was all said and done, I respected him as one of the greatest of all time. And and I, everybody that knows me knows that basketball is way more important to me than it should be. Like, like I was telling Lee earlier, it doesn't matter what kind of basketball game. I'll check it out. I, I'll get into it. It's just, just the way I am. So so I hold these guys probably higher on a pedestal than I should. But it, it really choked me up today. I, and it just hit hard. And I, was just, I just could not believe the news. And I, and I was like, I was on such a high after the weekend of basketball that we had, and then it just brought me down. Yeah. Well, and you know, I hate the people that try to police and say, oh, you didn't really know this person, and da-da-da-da-da. And I forgot what celebrity it was that died when I was a little bit younger, and I was talking to my dad about it, and I said, do you think that's ridiculous? And he was never one for celebrity culture and all that, but he said, how special is it that someone can bring joy into the world, whether it's your favorite song or a movie you like, that someone can do something and then you can use that moment to bond with someone else. Yeah. And when that person that brought you that moment passes away and you have that ability to, uh, to bond with other people with that grief, he said that's a beautiful thing. So, no, yes. I didn't know Kobe Bryant. He didn't know Terry Brown. That's fine. But I can talk to you guys like, man, do you remember that play Kobe did or something like no, that? Man. And like like we're saying no. about Kentucky players, like we can talk about, man, you know, that 96 team, they had it. Go- like there's something beautiful in that in the in our human experience. And I don't mean to get all philosophical, but it's like, you know, there's going to be these things, these moments that kind of last after a person's death. And that's where we can find some meaning. You know, I I, I don't know uh, Beethoven, but I know the songs that he left us, right? Like, nobody knows Leonardo da Vinci, but we still appreciate the work he left behind. And that's where I think 
we can mourn these celebrities in that context, and it does provide a lot of benefits. Yeah, and I, and I think you have to take the good, you know. And, you know, and, and Terry, you weren't with us earlier in the show, and I don't know if you heard, but, you know, we were talking about, you know, nobody's perfect, and, and people want to try to derail Kobe, and, and I think that's very untimely. You know, I think that right now that our, our focus needs to be on 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 the loss of life and and you know and his family and and it's just it's sad and, and I don't care how you slice it, but you know we 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 are who we are and and what do we look at? We look at TV, we look at social media, and you know we're we're bombarded with NBA games and. and and if you like sports, you, you're, into, you're into the game, and, and you have idols. And I think the real gut check is, is you know, and, and nothing with anybody's age is here, but we start having people that we look up as to as idols, and, and we respect it through their careers, and when they start passing away, and even it be natural or by accident, it, it's a reality check that, that nothing can be taken for granted, especially life. Absolutely. I, I, and I think sports work differently because sports have defined years. Like we know our UK teams by their year. And it's, it's sports have that funny way of, like you can watch, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a, uh, you can watch an older movie and not get sucked back to that at unique time. But if you see Kentucky come out in those denim jerseys, you know exactly yeah. <laughs> you know, where you were and what's going on. And sports is like yes. that, right? Because right. sports, you know, the, the, the teams are only together for so long. Like, you know, there's no, there was only that one year that all those guys were on one team. So sports works a little bit differently like that. And with sports being such a physical activity, and you see a, a person uh, kind of go early, as, as, as we say, it, it makes us all feel kind of vulnerable in a, in a way. Yeah. Like, man, you know, exactly. I remember when Hank gathers that, and we saw it, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah and, and like uh, and Lenny uh, Bias. You know, Reggie Lewis, Lynn Bias, like, whoa, those guys, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it shakes you uh, because, like I said, Kobe was just a year younger than me. Like, what? You know, it, it makes you deal with your own mortality because these guys and women seem superhuman. Yes, yeah. sir. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's why it hit so hard, to be honest with you. Is I was just, like I was talking to, we were talking before the show a little bit, and I was talking about he's two years younger than I am, and I have a 13-year-old and his 13-year-old, and I, I just thought about that, and, and I sat here in tears like, what is wrong with me? But it... It's not like, like you said, they say you don't know them. You do know them. You know, it's, like, it's like John Calipari. I've never met the man in person. I, I think Terry probably has, but I've never actually met him in person. But I feel like I know everything about the man. I've been to his And house. I think, Terry, Terry, part of it is, too, is that these guys, you know, that that when they, when they do pass away like that, it, it, it relates to us, but you know, we have such a common connection with them. And, and, but how do, how do you deal with the grief? I mean, it, it's not easy. And I think some of it is more for two, three, four weeks. But, you know, I still could not believe that Kobe was only 41 years old. 
Yeah, well, let, let me – a little bit of background, and I don't want to be too melancholy, but uh, I, I got two older, older brothers. Uh, there's a 17-year gap between me and my brothers. But my middle brother had a brain aneurysm in March of 1999 and passed away. And then my older brother had a heart attack in September of 2000, and he passed away. And they were 39 and 40 when they died. And so when you're facing things like that, it, 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 put, it does put things in perspective. Like I know you, ha- you have to be nice to people. And if you follow me on Twitter, I try to be positive. You know, I try not to let the losses, you know, Kentucky losses get me down as much. I try because I know there's other things out there. But there's something to be said, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, about a communal experience. Like watching a Kentucky game by yourself in your basement is is one kind of experience. But for my money, it's completely different if you're somewhere else watching the game with other Kentucky fans living and dying with every shot. Right? There's something to be said for for talking. Like you and like like we're doing right now, talking about the Kobe situation, talking about our own girls, our own things. And to be honest with you, as men, we need to do way more of that, right? We need to talk about that. We need to say, hey, look, this Kobe thing, you know, for me, it's the pictures with his daughter. That's what's killing me. The pictures and videos with his daughter, it's like, oh, my God. Oh, that made me break down. It absolutely did. So I had to to take a break. I had to take a break, you know. So there's something to be said for coming together. And to go on what you were talking, I, I tweeted it earlier this year, 2012. I'm watching, I'm watching the, the championship in a in a sports bar in Ashland, and I meet a guy there. Never met him before, but he worked with my my old lady, and uh, she introduced us, and, and we we watched the game together, and we actually hugged each other when it was over. And this this year, he got killed in a car wreck, and. And it bothered me, and I only spent one night being friends. I mean, not that we didn't like each other afterwards. It's just like it, we never really got back together after that. It, it just, it's just weird, and 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 it, it bothered me just about as bad as this did. I mean, what you were saying, we bond together. It's different when you're watching with the crowd, and it's just a whole lot different. And one one thing I'll add, Terry, too, is is you know that. I'm old school, and I know I alluded to that when we were on Cats Talk Wednesday this past week. And, you know, being a big Julius Irving fan and Philadelphia 76ers fan, and, you know, and there's no question what Joe Bryant meant to that franchise. And, you know, Joe always played with a a chip on his shoulder, and and Kobe picked that right up. But I want to ask you, and, and I'm sure you do know this, but when when Kobe was asked what college he would have attended if he had gone to college, do you you do know what that college was, right? Yeah, UK, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and you know, and we were Benny and I talked earlier before the show, and and I think even on the show, and and, and to me, you know, that means a lot. I mean, you go back to Sean Kemp that never played at Kentucky, but. When they say those things, it means something. And and I will always hold Kobe Bryant in that esteem that he he would have played at Kentucky, and that means something to me as a Kentucky fan. And you know, and and like I said, Terry, 
my heartfelt condolences, brother, because I know it hurts, and I I just don't understand it. And and all we can do is just pray, and because God has a plan, and this is His way. And you know, sometimes we don't understand it on this earth, but there's always a reason, and and we just have to accept it, and 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 hope everything's okay, and just console the people that are grieving. Yeah, and, and I'll leave you with this, not to turn this into a church revival, but uh, I'm, I'm a very religious person myself. Uh, my favorite Bible verse ever is Romans 8 and 28. Well, we know that all things work to the good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I say that, that's my famous favorite line, because all things. It doesn't, it doesn't say the things we understand, the things we agree with, all things. And so I live my life by saying bad things happen, like, you know, my, my brother's passed away early. But there's, there's some good that can come out of that. Even though I can't see it right now, I, I have confidence and faith that, yeah, there's going to be some good to come out of that. So I, I do share that uh, uh, with folks. And, and, and one last thing. This is kind of low on the on the totem pole here. Uh, Kobe was a heck of a basketball player. Like his his, his yeah. knock was he wasn't Jordan, but he was he was that dude. Like he could go get you buckets. Like I know people talk about he shot a lot, but but he was tremendously skilled. And his work ethic, I think, if you listen to all the people talking that knew him best, talked about how hard he worked. And you may beat him, but you weren't going to outwork him. So. Uh, that's one reason I kind of fell in love with, with Kobe Bryant in that respect. I'll tell you what, Terry, you said a lot there, and I, I, I will tell you this much. I never saw anybody with a look in his eye like Kobe Bryant in my lifetime other than Michael Jordan. And, and that just that sheer confidence and determination is second to none. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for letting me come on and, 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 and talk. And, and, Benny, thanks for reaching out to me because I had a lot of stuff I was working through this afternoon into the evening, so I really appreciate it. I love you guys. Look forward to, uh, to visiting with you all again. But one thing I'll leave you with, two things. I know I'm ranting all over the place. I apologize. I'll go right uh, ahead, brother. Number one. Man, this is a good day for uh, Number one, hug your family. Yes, sir. Uh, like like Jay like Jay Williams said, uh, whatever you got going on, let it go, because Jeez, there's going right. to be a time and place when you're not going to be able to do that. And and uh, uh, with my brothers and my father that passed away four years ago, and I know we all have those folks. You know, when it's gone, it's gone. Like you can't go and recreate that, and you don't want to be sitting there, like man, I wish I could have or I should have. That's a that's a tough thing to live with. So take care of that right now. And I agree with you guys. I think the cats, from what I've seen, we've got Nick Richards that that, that has become a tough out. Uh, one thing I liked about Nick, he ended a lot of those Texas Tech runs with 15 foot jump shots. Are you yeah. telling me you would you would have gone with that? And, and Hagen, I know he was all over the place yesterday. But my goodness, the one chase down play he had, and then the play to look, those are winning plays. Like, yeah. everybody wants to win by 20 points, but I said this on the post game show 
yesterday's game and the game at Arkansas is more indicative of the kind of game you have to win in March. Winning by exactly. 30 points doesn't get you ready. Gutting it out on the road when you're not playing well, right? It's easy to cruise along when you're yeah. playing well. But if, if, if we can win with Maxie struggling and Hagen's being erratic, and uh, that, that to me shows a lot about this team. Also, Johnny Juzang ain't getting some runs. So there you go. Go, Cats. I love you guys. <laughs> Hey Terry, we love you. I want to say thanks Thank for coming so much, on. Bro. And uh, you were the first person I thought of when I when I heard the news. I don't know why, but it, it just was. And I reached out to you, and I was letting you know you could come on and talk about it if you want to. And I I just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on. It meant a lot. I appreciate. It. Thanks for reaching out, you guys. I love what you're doing, and uh, yeah, go Cats. <laughs> Have a good night, Terry. Thank you, brother. We love you. All right. So that was Terry Brown. You can listen to uh, well, Vinny and Terry on Cats Talk. It's on Blog Talk as well. And you should check them out because they're really good at what they do. You can also hear Terry on uh, the Poker Game Show on 680. It's hard not to get sentimental. Benny, I mean, you know, it's a it, it's it's a sad day, and I don't know how you slice it any other way. And you know, I get it because we've all lost people that we look up to and we admire. And I'm talking as far as you know, sports figures and and, and figures in general. And you know, and and it does become personal to a certain point, like we were saying earlier, is that it feels like family. And then when you lose family, it's it's tough, you know. And this is, you know, this has kind of been our therapy show, I guess you'd call it. Just like he said, we need to do more sometimes. And if you got anything you want to talk about with Kobe, it's 516-531-9474. You're listening to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee, and we're glad to be here. We we hate the news that come down today, but we're also slightly excited over how the Cats played over the weekend. And... Uh, Anything you guys want to talk about more than well? Yeah, I'm getting a thing here from Joshua from Harrisburg, Illinois. He's trying to call in, and he's saying it's uh, the show's cutting off, and he can't get in. Uh, well, so I wouldn't doubt that. I've had trouble today uploading my video clips or my audio clips that I didn't get to play. But just keep in and maybe you can get through. Uh, Nick said he was trying to call as well. And I hadn't seen another call other than Terry. I don't know if that was just meant to be or or what it was, but uh, I think if you try now, you should be able to get in. So just give it a try, 516-531-9474. It really irritates me when this stuff doesn't work right because there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> no, I know. And that's just like last week. We got cut off a little bit early, and that happens too, and we apologize for for that because we we had a good show going and I, I know we lost Nick that night and as we had interviewed Dan Issel but but back to uh, you know, I want to touch back a little bit more on, on Khalil Whitney and and his leaving Kentucky and you know it, as Terry and Ben I've alluded to and, and you know it's, Kentucky's not for everybody and but I tell you what you know I don't understand how someone figures that out 
to the point that, you know, they just want to throw in a towel. And, and maybe this wasn't Khalil's program. Maybe Kentucky wasn't for him. And obviously it wasn't, but, but I, you know, I would like to understand a little bit more why. And, and we still do believe it's, you know, outside input. But, you know, to me, I thought Khalil was doing a great job and, and was, a, was a great addition to the team and, and could spell some minutes Oh, I think it was that. I talked to some people, which I'm not going to quote anybody because they didn't give me permission, but I talked to some people, and I think it was basically a, a, dad, a, a parent thing, let's just put it that way, that wanted him to to leave. And I, I'm not sure it was so much a player deal as it was, like you said, outside influences. And, you know think sometimes people just have to step back and look at the situation and say what's best for my child and, I, and that may be what he thought was best I mean it could be but I'm looking at this like can you not see Emmanuel quickly can you not see Nick Richards and how far they have come and how far that this staff has brought them along you'll not find a better staff for developing talent in the country yeah, and you know what? That says a lot too. Just what you said, Benny, is what you know. Where where quickly is now, and I don't even think he was on any of the draft boards, and where he's played himself into in, in a position to be drafted, and and possibly even a lottery pick. Because I tell you what, quickly's playing some great basketball right now. A long way in a short time. I just I'm. You know, I don't know. Like I say, it's different for everyone. And like they always say, Kentucky's not for everyone. And I wish he'd have stayed. I loved the kid. I thought he had a good attitude. You've never seen him sulk on the bench. He was always cheering right along with Nate. And Nate's the same way. He's had some games where he didn't play much, but he's he's the same way. And it seems like Keon's the same way, too, even though we've heard some negative from, from his AAU coach because he doesn't like the fact that Keon's not playing enough. But – I think Keon will get there. I think Keon's close to being there. I just think the outside noise just needs to stop. I mean, you'd think a guy who was an AAU coach would understand that a Hall of Famer like John Calipari will get will get your kid there. Just give him time. Everybody's on their own path, as Nick said, and I had that audio loaded and I couldn't play it. But Nick basically said, just because I'm in Kentucky, Known for one and done's doesn't mean I have to be a one and done. Everyone's on their own path, and he it's helped him become the player he is. And they he thinks they'll get him to where he's the player he wants to be before it's all said and done. And I think that's what Keon needs to focus on too. And and it's easy because as a coach and the players you coach. You know, as a coach, you're going to be behind them 100%, and you're going to want the best for them, and you're going to know what they're capable of. And, you know, a lot of it is just believing in the kid. And so, you know, naturally, Keon's AAU coach is going to be high on Keon, and he's going to promote Keon. And But I'll tell you what, I mean, I think all of us in Big Blue Nation realize and see that Keon is going to be a big part of this team. And whether it takes another year or so, so be it. 
I, I think even with the recruiting class coming in, I tell you what, I'd love to see Keon Brooks come back next year. I would love to see Nick Richards come back next year and E.J. Montgomery, but I just don't think we're going to see it. But even with that class coming in next year, I think they're going to they would have a spot. They would definitely play a key role on that team next year. So, you know, time will tell who goes. And, you know, I think Maxie needs another year. And I don't know these kids come a year early sometimes and, and you know, early graduation and and come in there. But it, it I'm not saying it doesn't work out, but they get that much more experience. So their freshman year, actually their second year, they're they're ready to go. So I don't know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk between now and, and March and even after March is who stays and who goes. And I know we'll be talking a lot about that, but – I just don't see Maxie even really ready to go, even though they have him on the NBA draft board. Well, I don't think sometimes it's about being ready. It's about being marketable, you know, about about them investing in you. And I know that sounds awful, but I think if Maxie's in the top 20, he kind of has to go. Same with Nick. I think Nick's going to end up being a lottery pick or at least a first round this year because I don't see anybody doing anything – any better than Nick Richards. I mean, you know, I, in my opinion this year, I mean, Vernon Carey's tearing it up at Duke, but I bet his numbers aren't. I don't know his numbers, but I'll bet they're not as good as Nick's. But I think Nick's just turned the page, and you can see with Nick now, he has confidence, and he's finally put it together, and it's it's not a, a reaction. He's just playing basketball now. And it and he's making the game look so easy, and you, you can tell the game slowed down for him now. But you go back to Maxi and the same with Maxi, and, and that's one thing I fought the NBA about is they will draft and project kids just based on possible talent and, and what they could possibly do. And I think sometimes that's why kids end up stuck in the D leagues and 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 going overseas is because they don't always pan out. And I think it's just a gets in too much of a rush, rush, hurry up situation instead of letting these kids develop and actually ready. And then as far as NBA ready, I still go back to Kentucky and, and look at what John Calipari does. I don't think it, there's a college program out there that prepares these kids for the next level better than Kentucky. And, I mean, you can take John Morant from Murray State. You can take Zion Williams from Purdue. You can take a lot of these high-profile guys. John Morant just had talent. It didn't matter where he played, honestly. But can you imagine where he would have been drafted? I know he was two, but just imagine him at Kentucky and, and, and what could have possibly happened. He probably would have challenged Zion Williamson for the number one spot. And while Coach K is probably one of the greatest of all time, and I mean, when you take his whole body of work, he's probably the greatest of all time. But here's my thing. I would not trade John for him, even if I was guaranteed 10 more years with Coach K, because I think John is the best right now. I really do. I think he's the best coach in America right now. And I know there's a a 10% of Kentucky fans who probably completely disagree with me and tell me what a freaking idiot I am. I actually had a guy, like I told you, I think I told you this on the last show, told me that 
program has regressed since Calipari took over, and I'm just like, what, what, what freaking rock did you crawl out from under? And he's the same guy that told me they got that he got out coached at Texas Tech in a hostile environment on the road that he won. And I, I well, dude, if he got out coached and still won, pretty damn good. Well, I agree too, Benny. I mean, you know what you're saying there is absolutely right, and you know I don't understand people, their thoughts and, and where they process it. But, but all I can say is a, a good trajectory for Kentucky. You know, going into March, and, and you know, there's no clear cut favorite. You know, Baylor's number one this week, and that, they look good. But I think Kentucky would match up with them well. And, but so much of it comes down to the refereeing and how close they call the fouls. And there, there's just so many intangibles in the game. And I'm going to borrow from Roger yesterday, and Roger Harden, and he was saying that, you know, that we let TTU back in the game. And I think we did a little bit by taking the, you know, our foot off the gas pedal instead of pushing the ball. And, and but, you know, there's probably a reason for it. And now we were getting in some foul trouble with the guards and, so, you know, there's always a reason behind it. And, and Cal's a coach, and I still trust in Cal Perry. Yeah, there's no reason not to trust in him. I mean, his record it speaks for itself. And, and, yeah, he's going to have ups and downs like any coach in America. He's going to have ups and downs. But he gets the job done pretty much every year. He gets us to where we have a chance to win, and that's all you can ask for as a fan. And I think I think people will eventually understand this. And I, I think you're always going to have haters. Sometimes people just want to be haters because they're just contrary. But it is what it is. And uh, But I like the way this team's headed. I think it's going in the right direction. I don't think we're as far off as everyone else seems to think because nobody can get over those three bad losses we had. And, yes, they were horrible losses. But I tend to at road victories when I'm evaluating a team of what I think they can be because those big road victories mean a whole lot because that means that they're playing well when the pressure's on them, when their back's against the wall. I mean, Nick going to the line, making big free throws two weeks in a row, two games in a row, I should say. And then we've got We've got Auburn coming up soon. If we go to Auburn and Florida and win, I don't want to hear nothing else. <laughs> yeah, and Auburn's going to be a huge measuring stick. I mean, obviously, and we're going to see where we're at there. And Auburn's a good team. But I'm telling you right now, as a Kentucky fan, I, I fear nobody. What I'm seeing with this team are we going to lose a few more games going through the SEC? Possibly. But I'm telling you right now, it does not mean squat when it comes to March other than the seeding. And what what I see from this Kentucky team, John Calipari has them plateauing at the right level. They're going, they're, they're definitely going up. I, I, I'll tell you what, man, we haven't even really talked about that a whole lot, but, what do you think about the defense? The defense has been incredible. And, and what would you attribute that to? Because, I mean, we know the guards have been great, but Nick Richards, man. But the, just the overall defense has been awesome. 
we have a good good core group of defenders in that first five. And I think sometimes sometimes when things go off the rails a little bit, it's it's off the bench, and that's understandable because they're still feeling things out. But I don't think E.J. Montgomery gets near the credit he deserves for his defense. And we know we know everybody's looking at Ashton, and Ashton is a great defender. He's probably the best defender we have. And he made some great plays, but nobody gives Emmanuel quickly credit for his defense either. And he's a really, really good defender. That's a fact. I mean, this whole team just – and they're buying in and they're starting to get things worked out, you know. They're cutting these perimeters off. I think that's amazing how they're doing that. I think these teams are really struggling shooting a three against Kentucky. And, and that's a good thing because we don't shoot a lot of threes. And, and it's with reason. It's still until somebody proves – Wrong. Besides the Golden State Warriors, I'm still going to go with I do not think that you need to shoot 100 threes a game. I think you just need to shoot enough and make a few. And I'll take my chances at the foul line, driving and going to the foul line. And I, I love that fact about Calipari. Maybe that's a little old school in me. But I think that's how you win at the college level. You're right, Benny. You know, Kentucky, to me, has never been a team that just had to have a three-point shot or had to shoot a massive amount of three-point shots because we've never been that team. We've had some good sharp shooters in the past. I mean, you go back to Tyler Hero last year, uh, Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, and, I mean, even the Harrison Twins. And But we've never relied on the three, and I don't think you can rely on the three to be successful and win an NCAA championship. Of course, naturally, I mean, if you're making a lot of threes, that's money in the bank. But Kentucky never has relied on the three. I think they have enough game. that, And I think we have enough three-point shooting. I think once, you know, Juzang's been hot, uh, IQ's been lights out. Uh, we know Hagens can shoot the three. We know Massey can shoot the three. I think it's going to be there when they need it. But I agree with you. I like the old school pounding the inside, driving to the basket, because I'm telling you right now, to me, Kentucky's quickness and size is insurmountable against anybody. I think right now, the way we're playing defense and our size, it it just creates a lot of problems. And you can look at the game film from yesterday, and Nick closing out on the three, you got a seven-foot guy with a seven-four or seven-eight wingspan coming at you on a three-point shot. You're not going to get a lot of good looks. So, Cal's Cal's taking his team and he's coaching them right. And I, but I agree. Pounded inside, drive it to the basket, draw the fouls. I mean, we're shooting almost over eighty percent on the year from free throws, and and great day yesterday too. But that's where the money is. I mean, that, those are freebies. Take all you can get. Yeah, we're shooting such a good percentage from the foul line. I don't see any reason to change anything. And like I said, when you're talking six games, six games you got to win in a row, and you're talking, you're telling me you're not going to have a code shooting night. If you completely rely on the three, you're going to have a bad night. I don't care how good you are. There's going to be one out of six games where you can't make as many shots. That's just how it goes. That's why I like depending on getting to the foul line, playing good defense. I think it's the way to win. I think I think this chance ha- this team has a 
way better shot at winning a title than most people think. I'm not saying I think they're a lock to win a title, but I think that they have a way better shot than people think. I like the way it's going. They're winning on the road. I'm interested to see how they play on the road in the future. And, if, and I'm just going to tell you, we had Hagens didn't have his best game and quickly didn't really have that great a second half. And Maxie had an awful game, I thought, for his standards. And we still won that game, a top-20 team, on the road in probably the most hostile environment in the last five years. And I'm just telling you, I like the way this team's headed. I think Calipari's got a little swag back. I hate that Coil left in the middle of the year, but it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. It's his choice. It's his life, and we wish him the best. Me, a lot of good things there, and you're right. I think this Kentucky team will be in the hunt in March, and that's all we can ever ask because there's no clear-cut favorite. But, you know, I've read a lot of reports from different media outlets, and that includes ESPN and and Fox and and some others. And the, the upside for Kentucky, the ceiling right now is so high. And they're and they're showing signs and and when I when I say the ceiling is high, there, there's so much room still left and and they're showing their positive signs. Their defense, that defense yesterday was lights out, and it takes defense to win championships. And the offense is going to come. I'm not worried about the offense because I see it's there, because we have enough weapons on that bench. In Sustina. Montgomery Brooks, they're going they're going to cover it, and our three guards, man, and, and and Richard. So we've got a lot of the intangibles working for us right now. So I, I feel very positive about this team. I mean, you know, come March, it's going to be up for grabs, folks. It's going to be up for grabs, and I still hang on to what John Calipari has done with every team in Kentucky. You know, with the exception of one, with the the Ernest Noel injuries. But these teams in March are always ready, and they play their best best basketball. And this team right now, I, I, I have such a good thing about this team, it's crazy. Because I'm telling you right now, there's no team in college basketball. If Kentucky comes ready to play and they play a good game, that that team's going to beat Kentucky. No, uh, Kentucky's got a shot to beat anybody, but I also think – if they revert back to some of the things they did earlier, they can be beat by anybody. That's just the way it is this year. But I think this team's starting to develop a mentality of, you know, bring your lunch pail, we're going to work type mentality from what I'm seeing. And Maxie's going to be fine. Cal will push a button here, a button there. We still got a long way to go before March, really. We got several games and I think he'll get Maxi fine tuned and I think that's the only thing that's missing from this team at this time is that one guy that can just take the thing off the dribble and go get his and I think Maxi's that guy and I think Maxi will become that guy. I think it's gotta be led by Hagens, but I think sometimes when you just gotta have a bucket, you gotta ISO Maxi and let him go. Isn't it crazy, Benny, that we're talking about this and we've talked about this all year and and you and I agree about it. And, and when we're seeing this team go and how they're developing, and, and I just 
the naysayers, you know, they, they, whatever. But I'll tell you what, don't forget this name, folks, Johnny Juzang. Johnny Juzang. That is going to be a big Blue Nation favorite before he leaves Kentucky, I promise you. And But this team, they are gelling at the right time. And I agree, Benny. I don't don't see them reverting. I think that sometimes, I think when reverting is, I think we saw a little bit of it yesterday with Maxie. But, hey, Maxie's playing in his home state. You know, he has a home crowd. He had family there and friends. And and it's just a freshman thing, just trying to do too much and force the action. And so, you know, hey, that's part of it. But that's where Higgins has to step up a little bit. But i tell you what, they're doing what it takes to win, and that's huge. And, you know, I would love to see them win these games 10, 15 points and and make it easy and no, no overtime, not even close at the end. But, I just don't think this team is there yet. I think they can be there, but they're good enough to win these tight games in hostile environments like Benny said, and that's huge. So we'll see where they go forward. And But but my money's on Kentucky right now. I'm all in, and I love it. And, and once again, uh, everybody out there that's listening, our heartfelt condolences to Kobe Bryant and his family. And uh, we pray for them, and and uh, we've got them in our thoughts and prayers tonight. And it's kind of cast a cloud on our show tonight. But we didn't even touch on John Robick and the scorekeeper, Benny. You, you got anything on that? He's a cheap nim effort. <laughs> yeah, I heard a lot. I heard a lot about that. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, and and they said talk. Leach saved it. That's what they said on the post-game show, that Tom Leach was actually the one that told him he's only got four. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's crazy. I mean, that was a that was a daggum mess. And, you know, they were showing – and I'll be honest with you, I lost uh, my internet for – my Wi-Fi for about 30 minutes, so I didn't even have cable. So I was listening to the radio, and they kept showing Hagen's with three, but they kept saying Hagen's had four. So – I never could figure that out. Then, then the maxi thing happened, and then ended up getting the TV back. So it was it was really interesting that whole the way that all played out. But uh, kudos to John Robick if he did say something to the guy because you know that that's uh, hometown favoritism, and it sounds like uh, Robick Robick's got our back. Yeah, and uh, I I really I really hope that. Uh... That, that, that something happens. I hadn't heard anything the latest on his daughter. I didn't know if you'd heard anything on that or not, but she was needing the uh, liver transplant or was it? I think it was liver. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, to be honest with you, I actually tried to see if I could even be a donor and it wasn't possible, but no, I haven't heard anything else about her at all either. Our prayers are out to him and his family, and we hope for the best on that. Just saying, like you said, with the, the Kobe Bryant thing, which has rocked me to the core today, and I, I've done well through this show. I hadn't, hadn't got emotional or anything. and uh, But I was so pleased that, you know, I, I didn't know if Terry wanted to come on or not, but I thought, man, I better reach out to him just because he might just need to talk about it. So I just 
and come on and talk about it if you want. And he said, sure thing. He wanted to. So that was a good deal, and uh, I always appreciate him. He's he's such a good dude. I mean, if you guys don't follow Terry Brown or Cats Talk Wednesday or Benny Hardy, you need to start because those guys are, are the real deal, and they're good people. And their family here to us. Yeah, and it's, it's been a good show, a little bit somber tonight. And you know what? Kentucky wins two games this week. We didn't even touch on the Georgia game a lot, but that was another good win. And Kentucky held Edwards down again. And that that was a, that was a huge win in, in Georgia this week. Or no, it was actually at Rupp. But that was a huge win against Georgia this week. And just set the – Set the tone for Texas Tech, I think. And But what I'm seeing from Kentucky is just improved defense, just overall play. And, I mean, the emergence of Nick Richards, and he's starting to show he's there every night. And so I really look for the challenges of these other defenses and locking down on him. And, and when they start locking down on him, I think that's when we're going to see EJ and Sestina Brooks and, and, and our guards. I think they're, they're going to have to be there because they're going to start focusing on Nick. He's going to start drawing a little bit more attention now with these, these points and rebounds. Without a doubt. And one one of our things, the guards, that if I had a complaint, which I don't really have a complaint, but if I had a concern, sometimes our guards forget about rebounding, and that, that's got to pick up a little bit. And, you know, it is what it is. But that's the only thing. And like we're saying we, we've said all night it's been a somber day and and we had like a crazy kind of show planned we were going to be a little bit more upbeat but it was impossible to be upbeat with the news that came down today and all i can say is fly high mamba yeah the black mama will rise again and benny thank you great show bbn we appreciate you all listening to us and definitely follows on twitter and we'll see you guys next Sunday. Have a good night.